Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. We said before you can ever find your destiny or know the will of God for your life, you're going to have to have a surrendered life. He says, listen, let man deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You cannot follow him till you take up your cross, but you cannot take up your cross till you deny yourself. God knows we need a surrendered life. Lord, whatever thy will be done. Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Then, then last week, we discussed the fact that God, it, listen, our destiny is not just what God wants us to do for him. It's what God wants us to be for him. It's not just what we do, but it's who we are. You say, where do you get that? Romans chapter number 8. Verse 8 says, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them that are called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? The next verse, verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate, predetermine to be conformed to the image of his son. I want to see you saved, but God wants you to be sanctified also. It's not just about getting a ticket to heaven. It's about getting a transformation process, becoming more and more like his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, this week I was studying and reading and praying and asking God uh, what we needed to deal with as far as our destiny. And man, I'm telling you, I could not shake this one word. One word, others, others, others. I had three different outlines and moved them back and forth and rearranged them and put everything. And God says, none of that will work. Listen, you need to understand that your destiny is directly connected to others. Everything about what God has designed you for has to do with ministering to others. There are a lot of people that have a long ranger type attitude. Well, I'm just going to be, it's just going to be me and God. No, sir. No, sir, your destiny has nothing to do with just you and God. Your destiny is you, God, and those that he has designed you to minister to. You cannot have a destiny without others. Others are connected to your destiny. Let's talk about that this morning. Verse number 3. Verse number 3. Let's read it and I'll let you sit down. Verse 3. For I say through the grace given unto me, every man that is among you, read it with me, not to think of himself, more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Lord Jesus, help us now this morning. In Jesus' name, bless your word. Lord, I feel Satan fighting this, Lord. I, 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 I just feel a presence, Lord, in this place, and I pray, God, that you'll rebuke him. I pray that you'll remove him. I pray the spirit of the devil and demons and everything else, Lord, you'll take away from this place. God, I know the devil knows that if our people get this and they'll, they'll focus on this and understand it's about others, Lord, uh, this, this, this whole thing will be uh, just, just changed dramatically. And, Lord, his kingdom will be threatened. And I pray that you'll move in our hearts, open our ears that we may comprehend and understand your word today. Please speak to them as you have spoken to me. God, have your will and way. I am your will and vessel. Use me as you will. God, I pray that your will be done this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I don't care what happens. If a tornado comes through and all the lights go out, don't nobody move. I'm finishing this message. Amen. If the microphone goes off, they'll throw me one. If that battery goes out, they'll throw me another one. But we need to get this. Everything rides on this situation. 
He said, let no man think more highly of himself than he ought to think. I, was, I, I have had the opportunity and I've had the privilege to preach in different places. I've had the opportunity and privilege to preach in, in small churches and in small even works, mission works that are just getting started. I've preached in large churches in different places around. And, and I have come to the realization that everybody is not just like me. God help us all. Amen. I have found out they don't just do everything just like I do it. Or they don't like everything just like that I like it. Some people, and, and, and you, you look at it one way, well, some people don't have the talent in singing or, or, or in, in, in the way the service goes, and it wouldn't be just exactly like I would do it. But, boy, I tell you what, God has really begun to move in my heart. That doesn't really matter if they are saved and they are a child of God and they are doing the best they can. Listen, God is just as tickled and just as proud, even if every song they sing is off-key and off-balance and off-melody or whatever off they can be. It does not matter. God is pleased with what they're doing. They are singing with their heart. They're singing with their soul. They're doing everything they can to praise a God who has done them well. I'm telling you, even if it's not just like me, it's okay. Let no man think more highly of himself than he ought to think. I believe one of the greatest problems in the ministry today, in church today, I'm telling you, and I believe this with all my heart, you ask any lost person, uh, Gandhi was asked this question, what is the biggest hindrance to Christianity? He said, Christians. And one of the biggest problems in reaching the lost and reaching those that are outside of the church doors, those that are out there, they have run into too many Christians with an attitude problem. They've run into judgmental, self-righteous Christians who think because they have all their T's crossed and all their I's dotted that they got it all down together. And if you don't line up just like they do and you don't believe just like they do and you don't walk just like they do, if you don't talk just like they do, then you don't even know Jesus. I got news for you. You're sadly mistaken. And boy, if there is anything the house of God needs, if there is anything the work of God needs, if there is anything the people of God needs, I think we need a good old-fashioned attitude adjustment. Listen, our destiny is determined by how we see others. Let no man think more highly. Have you noticed that before he ever talked about any gift, and see, we ain't even got there yet in that particular chapter, he hadn't talked about prophecy, he hadn't talked about teaching, he hadn't talked about exhortation, none of these yet, till he's still dealing with inward situations that people have. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. He says, I want a surrendered life. I want you to give me your life. Put it in my hands. Let me do a work in you. But then he says this, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by... See, he hadn't even got to a gift yet. He's still working on the internal situation. And then, lastly, before he really went into it, he said, matter of fact, you, you need to make sure you don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Dr. E.V. Hill, boy, a great black preacher out in, out in California. Man, I love that preacher. He could, he could throw down. I mean, he was a preacher's preacher. His, his family member told him, said, son, you need to go to school and get an education so people won't look down on you. And then he said, go back and get some more so you won't look down on other people. I said, man, that's good stuff right there. Sometimes people get just enough education to think they're somebody. But they need to go back and learn some more to realize they ain't nobody. I'm, I can tell 
we're going to have fun today. Well, how, how, are we, how are we looking at ourselves? I was sitting in a service. I was sitting in a service, and it wasn't going like I would prefer it to go. And it just wasn't happening like I would prefer it to happen. And I'm having to preach in just a minute, and, and I, I feel it. I feel it in my, in, in my being. It was rising up in me because I have a bad poker face. I know y'all can't hardly tell that, but I, sometimes what's on my heart shows on my face, and other people see it before I realize it showed up up there. Amen? And I, I was sitting there, and, 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 and it, I could just feel it, and I, I could... I could and I just took a deep breath, and I and it was the outward side, and I didn't realize it must have been louder than I thought it was. I, I went, and the preacher just happened to be sitting right beside me. He looked, brother, you okay? Is there, is there anything wrong? Is there, and I thought, oh, God, he heard that. Amen. I said, no, it's the suit. I'm just gaining weight, and I can't breathe, and it's just. And I'm thinking, and you know what? That morning, that morning, I read a verse, let no man think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Yeah, you're preaching to about four, four or five hundred people this Sunday. And this may be a little crowd, but you ain't no better than that one that's up there doing the best they can. I said, I'm sorry, Lord. And boy, God got my heart, got my attention. Oh, we may, we may not have everything right. I know we don't. I, we got a lot to work. We are, we are working on much stuff, thank God. But you know what? How are we looking at others? You're never going to know your destiny. You're never going to experience your destiny until you realize your destiny is connected to others. You cannot ignore others. You cannot isolate others. It's not just going to be you and God. We are directly connected to other people. Let me give you three quick things, and we're going to pray. Number one, how is your attitude with others? How is your attitude with others? Say that with me. How is your... How many of y'all know... How many of y'all know... Sometimes attitude directly reflects in how you treat somebody. In other words, there, there, there can be people that you have a loving attitude toward, you like being around, and you're going to talk to them a little differently than that irritating person. I, I don't even know why y'all looking at me like that. Don't tell me nobody ever irritates you. Let me explain it this way. You're going down Walmart, and you see them coming down the hall, and you try to go in the potato chip section, hope they didn't see you. That's what I'm talking about. And when they come up to you, you don't ask them how they're doing because you're afraid they're going to tell you. And you're going to treat them different than that one that you enjoy. Hey, that's called your attitude. And before he ever tells you that you have a gift, before he ever tells you that you have a functional operating gift to use in the body of Christ, he wants to put an attitude check with you. What will determine my attitude with others? What will determine my attitude with others? A, how I view myself. How I view myself. In other words, in other words if I think I'm better than you, if I think I'm in a higher class than you, if I think I am smarter than you or whatever, I'm going to treat you that way. Let no man, how many men? Let no man think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm the chief of sinners. 
He never came. He had probably a better education than anybody. He had probably a better, I say a better, and more extreme experience with the Lord. There wasn't a whole lot of people that could say that God came strictly from heaven in person and said, get your act together. There ain't a whole lot of people could say that. He got to go see things that a lot of people never got to see. The Bible says that God took him to the third heaven and let him experience revelation that was beyond humankind. And then it says God gave him a thorn in his flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet him, that he, lest he be exalted above measure. And Paul, with all that he had going for them, with all that he experienced that he had, he still said, I'm the least of the saints. I am the chief of sinners. How have you looked in the mirror lately? Are you looking at your neighbor like, hmm? Now, listen, I'd like to think that I don't, but sometimes we do. I don't care who you are. You can come in here with your nose stuck up in the air and walk outside and drown in the rain, but I promise you this, we have issues. And how we treat each other and how our attitude is with others is directly reflected by how we see ourselves. How do you know? Because when you get around people that you think is higher than you, that you respect more than you, then your attitude changes toward them people and you will talk to them different. You will say yes sir or no sir or you will treat and you will treat them with a reverence. You will treat them with a respect. Why? Because you view them as higher than you. Whether it is a mentor or whether it is a spiritual hero or whether whoever it is. When you come into, when you come into the, listen, uh, 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 the, the, the president or a congressman or somebody that you respect that office, not the person, but the office, you will treat that differently than you do your, are you with me? The question is, how are you viewing yourself? The Bible says this, James 4 verse 6, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. James 4.10 Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. There's one thing that's more nauseating to God than anything, and that's pride. The whole reason Satan fell in the very beginning was because of his pride. He was lifted up in his beauty. His view of self was totally distorted, and it caused the fall of him and a third of the angels in heaven, and it's caused most of the garbage that we go through today. Because of a distorted view of self. How are you viewing yourself compared with others? Now, I'm not saying that we need to look at this. We're low-down, dirty dogs, and we're not worth anything. And, you know, there's a lot of people that push that, the idea that you need to look at yourself as low-down, sorry, and all that. Now, listen, you're worth something to God. He died for you. He left heaven. You're worth something to God. He thinks you are special. But when you get to thinking you're more special than Job, or Henry, or George, or Susie, or April, or Mary. We have a major problem. What is the symptom of thinking more, too much or, or too highly of yourself? I believe one symptom of thinking too highly of yourself, you get offended a lot. You wear your, shoulder, your feelings on your shoulders right here, and you get your feelings hurt a lot. Because You say, what does that have to do with thinking more highly of yourself? Because you don't think anybody has a right to do that to you. Well, they shouldn't have said that. How dare they say that to me? Please. Please. Most of the time, see, it's getting quiet here. You know why? Because I just drove down your driveway and parked right in your garage, right there. 
God's been doing that a lot lately, hadn't he? Well, they hurt my feelings. Well, who are you? They crucified him. Now, I'm not saying, look, I, I, don't, I don't like my feelings getting hurt. They do sometimes. I don't like that. And every, but we're all going to do it. And sometimes we don't even realize that we've done it. All the men that are married say amen. We have no idea. We have no magic ball that our wives think we have. They think we have a hocus-pocus ball in our closet and tells us every time we hurt their feelings because they will not tell us but expect us to know. I don't understand that. Say amen right there. We just do it. We don't mean to. It's in our DNA. I mean, it's in our makeup. It's how we are. We do that. We don't even realize it. How many of y'all know sooner in life, sooner or later, things will happen in that way. Are y'all with me? But don't hold a grudge against people. Just realize they're made out of the same dirt you're made out of. What are you talking about? We're, we're formed out of the dust of the ground. We're all made out of the same stuff. We're the same. How are you viewing yourself? Let no man think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Listen, how is your attitude with others? Has it been good lately? Or has we, have we had one of them stinking thinking attitudes? Because your attitude is determined by how you view yourself, but then your attitude is determined by how you view others. What do you mean by that? Look what the Bible says. He goes on to describe it in a, a more precise way. He says, look, y'all, verse 4. He deals with our view of self in verse 3, but then he deals with our view of others in verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. The word office means practice or responsibility. Listen, we have not the same office. We are all the same body. He gives an illustration of a human body. There's many different members. I have fingers. I have ears. I have eyes. I have a mouth. I have a nose. I have toes. And listen, they have all different functions, but it's the same body. They have all different responsibilities. You say, well, is one more important than the other? Cut one off and see how important it is. Somebody told me if you injure your big toe or, or something happens to it and you don't have the, 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 the access to it or it cuts off or something, it's, you got to learn how to walk again because you totally lose your balance. I like my eyes. I like seeing some of y'all. There's that attitude again. I don't know why. I like hearing. I like smelling good food. Say amen. I need some help up here. And then when you lose one of them, you're like, oh, my goodness. You say, what does that have to do with you and other people? Do you realize that one sitting next to you is you? What are you talking about? We're all connected. We're all the body of Christ. We're connected to two things. We're connected to Christ, and we're connected to Christians. So when, I, when you stab somebody else, when you talk bad about somebody else, when you throw darts at somebody else, do you know who you're hitting? You're hitting Christ, and you're hitting your own self. Yeah. Let me give an analogy. Let me give an analogy. That stupid hand. That hand let us down. My eye was itching, and it didn't even scratch my eye. Stupid hand. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that hand back. And I take a fork and wham! Am I going to feel better about the situation? That serves you right, hand. No, I'm going to say, ha, 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 
smiling. You enjoyed that, didn't you, Amber? I could tell. You, you. you say, oh, that's silly. What's the difference? If I'm the body, you're the body. Let me read it. Let me read it. Some of you are looking like it's not there. It's there. For as we have many members in one body, now he's talking about the physical body, all members have not the same office. Watch this. So we, as Christians, being many, that's individuals, are one in and every one members one of, that means you're connected to me, whether you like it or not. I'm connected to that old crazy priest. Yes, you are. We're the same body. So if I go to treating you bad or looking at you in a wrong way or having a wrong attitude toward you, I'm just hurting myself. I, uh, I, I read an illustration of a seminary professor who, who put up a target, put up a dartboard and put up a target and, and that paper target there and, and uh, said, I want you to go write down somebody that done you wrong or some issue that you have. And boy, all the, different, all the different seminary students went up there and wrote something on that thing and some person had done them wrong or hurt their feelings or whatever they had an issue with. And said, all right, let's do it. They started, they started throwing darts at that thing. And I mean, it was just getting holes all in it and holes all messed up. And boy, they was, man, you could feel the frustration coming out of them people because of things that had happened to them. And man, they was going out and throwing. And then, then all of a sudden, it's okay, all right. So he went over there and took the target down, and behind it was the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ was all those holes and all those wounds that we were putting in so-called other people. He said, see, this is what we do when we injure one another. See, your attitude will be greatly determined by how you view other people. When I can look at Brother Buchanan and view him as if I encourage him, I'm helping me. But if I'm wounding him, I'm wounding me. Because he is me. I am him. We are the body of Christ. How do you hold a grudge against yourself? How do you hold an unforgiving spirit against yourself? How are you staying bitter against yourself? Are y'all with me? Say amen. I want to know my destiny. No, you need to back up and check your attitude. Because if you can't see others, your destiny is irrelevant. Church, say amen. Let's look at the attitude toward others. Then number two, real quickly. I'm almost done. Oh, man, we got plenty of time. My attitude toward others, my activity with others. My activity with others. Now, this is going to be one of them kind. I, I, I pulled down the driveway, and I parked in your garage. Now I'm fixing to beep the horn. I mean, honestly, this is, this is, this is where the rubber meets the road right here. The Bible says when we, when we get that we're connected with one another, when we get that we are the same people, the Bible says in verse number 6, having then gifts, now he gets to the nitty-gritty. Since you realize you are a surrendered life and you are in the, in the process of transformation and God is developing you into the image of his son and, and now you realize, hey, it's not about me, it's about others and putting my life in a... Now, he says, now he says, 
having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, ministry, let us wait on our men. That, mean don't, that doesn't mean that we need to don't do it for a while. That word wait means as, as a, a waiter would wait a table. Or uh, 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 How many of y'all have ever had a waiter before? He was serving you. He was waiting on you. That's what it's talking about. It says this. Uh, what verse? Where did I stop at? Verse 7. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. He gives seven different things there, seven different functional, functional. And we call it functional gifts because it's how the body functions. This hand grips. This hand grips. The eyes see, that's their function. The ears hear, that's their function. The mouth speaks, that's its function. In other words, these are functional gifts that we all have, and you have them. If you are here, you have them. God has given it to you for a reason. Now, this is what I want you to see about your activity with others. Your activity does. A, write this down. It was supernaturally determined. It was supernaturally determined. In other words, what God intended for you to invest in the life of others was determined by God, not man. It was determined by God, not man. Why is that so important? Because there are some people that look at gifts, and this one has this one, and this one has this one. Well, this one is jealous over the one the other one has, and they don't want to operate in theirs because they want the one that they feel is in the limelight that the other one has. And they have no idea it wasn't that person who got it. God gave it to them. And God gave you yours to use for the glory of God. Quit looking at everybody else's and be happy and content with what God gave you. God did it. God was responsible. God knew exactly what he was doing. He is right in every decision that he makes. Every decision he makes. God is right. God knew what I, listen, God knew what I need. Even when I was in high school and I was wanting to be a veterinarian, I said, I don't want to preach. I don't want to do anything like that. I want to go to veterinarian school. I want to work with animals. They will love you even if you whoop them. Say amen. People won't love you even if you love them. So I don't want to deal with people. Amen. But you know what? God knew what I needed. He knew how I am. He knew what makeup I am made of. He knows everything about me. And he knew exactly what I would need. So he gave me the gift that I would operate in, that I would be the most fruitful and the most fulfilled with. But what the devil does is he deceives people and he gets people looking at across the fence and looking at everybody else's stuff and making them think that what they have is better than what you have. No, it is not. The same God that gave it to them gave it to you and it is just as important, it is just as needy, and it will bless you just as much getting involved in what you have. That is no different than people looking across the fence to your neighbor's yard thinking if your spouse was like theirs or you leave this one because you think you've got a better one over here, that's the craziest thing I have ever heard in my life. Well, she don't fulfill me. She don't meet my need. I'm going to go get this other one. That's smart. Pay for both of them. Say amen. It's not, that's not the issue. That's not the issue. We don't look at this as it came from God. I was, listen, I was supernaturally designed and determined to preach by God in heaven. And if he's smart enough to make the Great Barrier Reef and speak the whole world into existence, I think he knows what he's doing when he gave me what he gave me and what he gave you what he gave you. I believe that. But you know what? The, the, the thing is, do you believe that? 
Do you believe that what God gave you was specifically given by God? Oh, I don't believe that. Well, let me give you a verse. 1 Corinthians 12, 18. 1 Corinthians 12, 18. But now hath God, who? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. There are, Help me, Jesus, be nice right here. There are some people with a talent to sing. And there are some people that want the talent to sing. There are some people with the gift of singing, and they can do it. But there are some people that see that and desire that and want that, but they don't have the gift. But they want to force other people to allow them to be in that gift. But see, here's the problem. (laughs) You may want that gift to sing, but we don't have the gift to hear. Does that make sense? You know what? I'm looking at a crowd and say, yeah, I would have never said that, brother. Amen. That's why I'm here and you're there. Amen. But we got a crowd of people, and I say, I'm using this in general. The church is such a place of jealousy sometimes. They didn't let me sing at that time. Or they didn't let, and let me tell you, some of the most jealous preacher I've ever, or excuse me, people I've ever run into has been preachers. I, my dad had a camp meeting down in Florida, and uh, he'd have morning services and evening services. And uh, the prime time would be in the evening services because that's when most people would be there and that's when all the preachers went and and if you were relegated to the morning services that that, you know please and boy they'd get jealous of each other so they ain't they ain't i'm not i'm not talking to people i'm talking with us god nailed me it don't matter we are what we are be happy with what god gave you and operate in that why? Why? Because he supernaturally determined you to have what you have. But not only that, this is even more, and we'll probably just do this and pray because I feel like this is what you need to hear. It was not only supernaturally determined, but B, it was specifically designed. God didn't do anything on accident. God didn't just slip up and make you. I seen a, I seen a little kid, a little baby with a, t-shirt that said, I know I'm somebody because God don't make no junk. There's no mistakes with God. The Bible says before I was even formed in the womb, he knew me. God could see me preaching today before my mom and dad ever got married. He specifically designed me for a purpose. God specifically designed you for a purpose to operate in the body of Christ. You say, what? What did he design me for? Write this down. Number one. Number one, for reliance. For reliance. What does that mean? Nobody's got them all. We need all of the seven to operate and to function. Say that with me. To operate and to function. But nobody has them all. God did not want anybody complete in themselves. 
He wanted to leave it in such a way that you need me and I need you. God does not want long-ranger Christians. God does not have any free agents. We are all determined. We are all dependent and reliant on each other. God made it where you would need the body of Christ. God made it where you would need me and I would need you so we would not isolate each other. We would be drawn closer to each other. We would get closer and closer and need each other's fellowship, need each other's relationship, need each other's friendship. God designed it in such a way that you would have a gift that I would need to fulfill my life and I would need you just as much as I need myself. And that old saying, well, I can, I can worship God at home. I don't need to go to church. You're fooling yourself. If you believe that, you, you need to get a Bible. See, I am growing because I'd have said something different back in the day. Amen. You need the church. You need the body of Christ. And you know what? The body of Christ needs you. I put a question in small groups this week. You're going to discuss this question. And give me that. Do you have that? Anybody got that real handy? I've got it somewhere around here. I, watch this. Watch this question. I, I, I talk to the uh, the groups, and you say, "What do they do in small groups?" They discuss what I'm preaching on today. And this was a question. This was a question you're going to discuss and you're going to talk about. Watch this. Have you realized? I need everybody's attention because we're, we're done. We're done. I'm so hungry, I could eat a bear right now. We're about done. We're going to pray right here. So don't miss this. Please give me your undivided attention right here. Look everybody at me. Look at me and say, all right, all right. Have you realized that if you are not functioning in your gift, that you are letting people down who are relying on your ministry for their need to be met? Have you realized that your life is a direct connection to somebody else? And how you operate in your gift will determine whether somebody else's needs are being met? Because, see, you're somebody's eye. You're somebody's ear. You're somebody's mouth. And we all need each other. God designed the gifts the way he designed them so we would rely on one another. Can y'all see that? If you can see that, say amen. Not only did he design them for reliance, but he designed them for this, for responsibility. It says this. It says this in verse, verse number four. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same... Let me read it. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. The word office there is the Greek word praxis, P-R-A-X-I-S, praxis, which we get our word practice. A lawyer practices law. A doctor practices medicine. It's what they do. They have responsibilities. Let me ask you a question. Do you have any responsibilities in the ministry of God's work? Do you know what I have found in the, in the Laodicean age that we are living in? Everybody wants to enjoy the benefit, but they don't want the responsibility. For instance, 
I've had people, I've had people tell me and say, well, preacher, we built that gym out there. We're supposed to have a, a gym open for all them young people. They're supposed to be out there and be able to play. Now, that's fine and good. That's, that's true. It is. It was made for that. But we need volunteers to chaperone them. Listen, let me tell you something. I will give you permission to have it open every single night if you will be there to watch them turkeys. We want to complain about a benefit we don't think we're getting, but we don't want to take no responsibility for that benefit to take place. And we're burning certain few out because we're wanting them to do all the beneficial things, but we don't want to help them take up the reins and the responsibility to make that happen. Shame on you. We want to come into church and let everybody and enjoy the singing. We want to come into church and enjoy the ministry. We want to come into church and enjoy the fellowship. But we want to be able to come in and go out. Don't nobody bother me. Don't, I don't want to have to do nothing. Just let me come in and get involved in it. Hey, and that's fine. You got It's America. You can do that. And we want you here. We want you here every single service. But I'm telling you this. We shouldn't, we shouldn't drive on a paved road without paying taxes. We want to enjoy the benefits of public stuff, but we don't want to take responsibility for it. What's happening now? I've got out the car, and I'm knocking on the door. And I'm not being mean. I'm just being realistic. Yeah, let everybody else go to that practice. Let them practice and sing. I don't want to, I like to sing them, but boy, don't make me come to practice. Don't make me do another training. Don't make me get involved. I want somebody there to shake my hand. Boy, we'll get bent out of shape if somebody's not there to shake our hand, but we won't step up and shake somebody's hand for somebody else. We'll get all bent out of shape if somebody don't come to our baby shower or somebody don't come to our wedding shower, but boy, when's the last time you've been to one? Hello. Ain't we having fun? But God designed the gifts so we would have a responsibility what are you responsible for whose lives are you molding whose lives are you influencing ain't God good listen whether you know it or not you're influencing it for the positive or for the negative but God gave these gifts and he designed it so we would, excuse me, we would rely on one another. But then so we would have a responsibility. Listen, let's take up our responsibility. You know one thing why I want to do what I'm supposed to do? Because I don't want somebody else to have to do my job. I don't want somebody else to have to take up my slack. So I'm going to do all I can do and somebody else's. I'd hate to know I went home today and knew somebody else was having to take up my slack because I would refuse to operate in my function and do what God has called me to do. Amen. Amen. Listen, God designed the gifts for reliance. Can y'all see that? Does that make sense? Amen. He designed it for responsibility. Number three. He designed it for reward. 
How many of y'all enjoyed that singing a while ago? I was fixing to ask how many of y'all enjoying this preaching, but I don't think I'm going to do that today. Amen. We'll ask when we have a message on the rapture or something. Amen. When somebody ministers to you, how does that make you feel? How does that make you feel when them guys are outside and saying, man, welcome to temple. We're glad you're here. And by the way, it's hot out there. How do you know? Because I've been out there with them in a suit, coat and tie, Hollywood shades, amen. And I've got sweat dripping down my neck. But you know what? We want to be a blessing. How many of y'all enjoy that when people welcome you to temple? Tell the truth. Well, what if they wasn't there? What if they wasn't there and you come in and nobody talked to you? What if you came in and there was no music whatsoever? We may not be the best thing in town, but we got something. Brother Kendrick did a great job filling in for Brother Dole today, didn't he? Amen. Yeah, he did. Let me leave you with this. We don't even worry about number three. It's a good one, but we ain't got time. I, I want to I put on the back of that wall right there, as you go out, as you go outside, I've seen, I've seen signs in churches that said, uh, said, you are now entering the mission field, which is a cool sign. But I want to put one on that back back there as you leave. What if every Christian was just like you? What if every Christian was just like you? What kind of church would this be? What are you getting at, preacher? All I'm trying to get at is this. Are you fulfilling your responsibility? Preacher, I don't even know what that responsibility is. Six o'clock tonight. I'll help you find that out. Six o'clock tonight. We're covering them in detail. Giving time for question and answers. Giving time to discuss it to help us understand that. Preacher, I need to know my responsibility. Six o'clock tonight. We'll talk about it. Church, give the Lord praise and glory in this house this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. God, this is right.